There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 320 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We also are joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. All righty. 320, the name of an old iOS dev library from way at the beginning. Remember 320? the 320 library? I remember Vaguely. it did like everything. It was like a kitchen sink kind of library. Yeah, it, it was exactly that. It was. It came out of Facebook actually in the early days. Yeah, so they, for some reason, I don't even know why they did this, they pretty much decided that they didn't like the way that iOS did anything, so they completely rewrote everything at a very, very low level and put out this this library. So it redid pretty much all the components, Um, and uh, yeah, I guess it was good when it first came out, I suppose, but I didn't use it until I inherited a project a couple years later that used it, and as always, uh, (laughs) iOS had moved on. Dependencies? Yeah, exactly. iOS had moved on and left this thing in the dust. So this thing was just a a mess and and this app just had all of these it was basically running with a with a ball and chain around its leg because it was stuck using this old library. So I used to call it the four twenty library instead of the three twenty library if you get the right. Yeah, there was another there was another library too that was pretty popular at at three letters. I can't remember where they were, um that was around early early days. I have to go back through my my early slides and some of the lectures I did back then that would uh, talk about that. That's cool. So yeah, so we'll start off the show with a little bit of fact check. We were talking about pre-order dates on the phones, and actually, I was surprised that uh, when I just looked them up uh, just before we started recording. So I do remember that the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 
Call Pro were available for pre-order on October 16th, and I think they started delivering the week after. That's the Friday after the announcement uh, when they were announced. And the uh, the iPhone Mini wasn't available for pre-order until November 6th, and shipped a couple of weeks after that, or a week after that, I guess. And the iPhone Pro Max was not available for pre-order until November 13th, so almost a full month past the, the, the Pro 12. So I guess if you were getting an iPhone 12 uh, Max, then uh, you had to wait. So, Which would mean that people have just gotten them like in the last week or so, I would think. Or unless they, or they would have just ordered them last week, I guess, right? Is that right? Does that sound right? Pro Max? Yes? No? You guys are speechless. I'm trying to think because I already have my phone, so I was like, oh, cool, they can do, they can run all Which the hello, hello commercials have? I have. I have the, the 12 Pro, so I, I was not waiting around for uh, the, the second round of... Well, this yeah, is an article I, I pulled from uh, written on uh, October 9th, so I don't know, maybe it's been updated, but yeah, it's according to this article, it said the pre-order date was November 13th, which is like last weekend, the launch date is the 20th, so it would mean that people are just getting the phones now, if those numbers are correct. So, right? Tim, according to the notes here, the iPhone 13 Pro Max is coming out on November 13th? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that you one. Know, that, you missed, that's the leak, sorry, that's the leak. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yes, I had November 13 in my brain, I guess. Yeah, the other thing I was thinking about, too, last time we were talking about, uh, like, the radios and the phones and things like that. So the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, uh, governs, sort of gives a license for using radios inside of iPhones in the States. In Canada, it's the the Canadian Interference Causing Equipment Standard, or ICE. ICES, um, but I think also CSA is another name that I see, Canadian Standards Act, I think, or something like that. Uh, or I see licenses of those on on devices that involve you know any any kind any kind of transmission or whatever. But um, those that's the follow up from that. And the last uh, two more follow ups. One is uh, I was talking about the DTK last time. I did I think I got the A12 correct, but it's actually the A12Z or A12Z, depending on which you know side of the border you're on. By A12Z Bionic chip is was is what's inside of the DTKs and they come with 16 gigs and a 512 gig hard drive or SSD you should say so yeah compared to the you know the M1s that are are configured a lower but better chip I would assume right so because this is the um, same chip that would have been an iPhone 11 I think right the A12 right or iPad 11 iPad whatever anywho Uh, sounds about right yeah (laughs) and I've been talking about my pick uh, last last time we we met was uh, CS193P or B, I think it is, the course on iOS development out of Stanford University, which is available for free, and it's been free for the last 10 years. Uh, it's evolved quite a bit. But Paul Hegarty is the um, the instructor, and he has been the instructor since, I, I want to say, at least eight years. I don't know how long he's been at Stanford, but he's been the guy sort of guiding the course uh, for the last little while. We started started with some couple of guys who, who went off to form... Um, they were ex Apple, but they went to form Flip Flipboard, or remember that app called Flipboard? Mm-hmm. Was it, or you know what I mean? It was like was an iPad magazine. Hmm? Flipboard was the old news app. Yeah, that that yeah. guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they went off to form that company. Anyway, so that's uh, the story behind Stanford's Computer Science 193 course. Yeah, so Big Big Sur is now official um, as of maybe a week ago, I guess, two weeks ago when we talked about it. Um, and so Apple has updated the Apple Design Resources, which is part of the Human Interface Guidelines, um, with lots of um, images for Photoshop. And uh, yeah, they, it's funny, they still have the beta on the, the, the label on the tin. Um, so you've got your iOS 14 beta downloads for Sketch, Photoshop, and Adobe XD, which I haven't taken for a drive yet, um, as well as Keynote things. And then they 
Mac OS, they have the uh, Mac OS 11's, um, you know, interface bits for for those. And of course, the Watch um, 7, I guess. Is it, oh, is it Watch OS 7? No, I forget. It is. Um, and Apple TV as well. As so you long. can download these things and try it, try them out. Uh, there's a Parallax Viewer um, app as well you can download as well to try things out. Um, and a plugin for Photoshop to create Parallax effects for Mac OS. So. And of course, you know, as we always say, you should always check it. And of course, the, they updated the uh, SF symbols as well with some new some new characters in there. Um, but yeah, so that's that's been updated. And I think, you know, we should. it all behooves us to go through the design or the, the human interface guidelines and see what's what's been updated. But yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes for that to update it for Big Sur. Jaime, over to you. Yeah, this is this is follow-up, if only because I said, well, we, we've been talking about app stores and, and how much of the cut did they take from developers. And hey, the app store has announced a small business program. So mm-hmm. you it's not automatic. You do have to apply to it. And it starts on oh, really? January. Yeah, it's not automatic, which is one of the, the, the criticisms that's, I think, perfectly valid for it. But it launches on January 1st, 2021. And if, uh, if you are a small business where you earn less than $1 million per year from the App Store, your App Store commission is 15%. It doesn't matter uh, how big you are as long as you are less than the million dollars, which is really, really nice. This is one of those sort of things, uh, the, the special program that like usually only the big players like a Netflix or a Microsoft or Amazon would get. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, once you cross over the million dollars, then for the rest of the year or, or one calendar year, I think um, you end up having the original 30% commission rate applied. So the 30% will be there on your uh, millionth and one dollar and, and above. So it's not like it's not like you lose. I mean, as soon as you go over to the to the one million, it's basically you on the first million dollars you earn uh, or you pay 13% to Apple, right? Yeah, 15%. Right? And then after that, you would, if assuming you still earned more money, you would start paying the 30%. Going forward, it sounds like, okay, yeah, like it's not yeah. like held in escrow or you know, whoops, oh, well, now you owe us money, we're this money back you know so it's like try not to, to try not to go dollar over because you end up losing significant like you're dollars. sweating bullets when you're at like nine hundred ninety nine thousand yeah, dollars. shut down right? the business so, that day yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's similar i think i don't know how your tax system is like in the u.s but it's very similar to a tax system in canada that you know you work you earn a certain your tax at a certain rate until you hit a certain um, amount of money which is like the minimum standard whatever amount of money you can make and then then you move into the next tax bracket so money you make past that are taxed at the next rate. So it's not like all of your money is taxed at the, the high rate, right? So yeah, that's cool. Um, but I didn't know you had to apply. Yeah? So I guess I, it just behooves all of us to apply for this, right? You know, it also reminds me too, I don't know if you guys remember back, I think maybe like the first or second show or maybe third show, we were talking about a, a, a talk that uh, Charles Perry gave at um, NS North in, in Ottawa. He did a, a talk where I think he, he had the big circle and there was a little tiny red dot in the middle and, and and the big circle was all of the iOS developers out there, and the little dot were the ones who were actually making a living <laughs> at selling apps on the App Store. So I think that I think the vast majority of us are, are within this qualify for the fifteen percent uh, deal, right? So uh, does this apply to in- indie developers though? I wonder because like what's what's the definition of small business? Yeah, so indie developers are most likely going to qualify if you're thinking of indie developer in in the sense we've generally talked about it during the history. Uh, six-ish plus years of this show where, you know, probably one person doing this thing could be a side gig. It could be, if they're lucky, their their main gig um, could be, you know, a, a small handful of people, you know, probably no more than five or ten. I think when you start getting in, 
into, you know, almost 30 and, and beyond, like, okay, you're, you're a small business at that point. You're not really indie per se, right? Kind of like, you know, when we think of, of independent filmmakers, to use a, a different analogy, we'd normally think of, oh, this person has a very small budget. They're doing things low key. But we will point out that George Lucas was also an independent filmmaker, given that he wasn't part of any studio, right? I mean, he was massively successful when he owned uh, Star Wars and etc. So that's where the boundaries on when you stop being indie are going to be controversial. I think for the purpose of this show, we're, we're largely talking about, hey, this is like, you know, you're, you're, you and your buddies making an app sort of thing at most, and most likely yeah. just you making your own app. So if you've been around the app store as long as Mark and I have been around, like, which is like 2010 or earlier, Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, um, we had to have a Dunn's number to, to have apps on the app store. So you had to have a registered business in order to be able to, to publish apps on the app store at the very beginning. I don't think you, you don't have that to mark? anymore. I don't, I don't think you do. I think I think you can be you can you can have an independent um, like I think you can be truly indie now, right? Like just out of you know somebody in their basement uh, can just publish uh, apps on the app store. But, I'm pretty but sure it was. I mean, it, it was yes, we had to have that number, but but it wasn't at all difficult to get that. All I needed to do, as I recall, was to open a business bank account at some bank and then and then have that as evidence that I was a business and then I then I got in. So that's what I mean though. I think today like like you don't you need know, that, huh? Yeah, I don't I think I think somebody just pays the money and and you know the they'll ask you where are you going to deposit the check, right? Kind of mm-hmm. thing. I don't know that I, I guess you could look at, at uh, um I want to say iTunes Connect but uh, App Store Connect and uh and see like there's there's I think there's a business agreement you have to agree to, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder and like like does an indie developer is an indie developer someone who has registered registered a business of some type right well but these are all small businesses by any by definition defi- yeah. any definition yeah i mean even an individual uh single proprietor by yeah, the proprietor, tax yeah. law you know is is a, is an individual is a small business right right hmm. well i don't know <laughs> i think most of for the majority of people and i'm sure the people listening to this show um are probably making pizza money selling apps right so yeah and so this, like this this ends up helping those people the most and let's let's talk about the the criticism so i mentioned the fact that i think it's a little silly that it's not just automatic right it, it's yeah. like like penny yeah. pinching yeah. from apple to not just say hey you just automatically have this until you go well, it could be zombie money. developers too right like like zombie apps on the app store that people wrote and put up there and just left and forgot about you know yeah when you got a day and, job yeah and the the other part of it is uh as we talked about when we talked about you know app stores and commission rates and everything there is no value above zero percent that would um that would make everybody happy so i'm fully aware of that and given that the last time we talked about commission rates it was in relationship to epic the maker of the Fortnite video yeah. game yeah. um suing apple and at the time trying to clothe itself in the idea of like hey we're fighting for small indie developers apple just threw a nuclear bomb at the knees <laughs> of that idea and said hey we just made that not an issue now what do you have and uh the CEO of Fortnite got really himself into a very, very bad bind comparing their movement to like the civil rights movement. And uh, yeah, so not a lawyer, but that's not looking real good for, for wow. Epic. So, so you're saying this this um, new plan with Apple's small business program thing is the nuclear bomb or, yeah, or something because, else? Well, at least for the part where Epic said, hey, we're doing this, you know, it's not because we want to make more money. No, no, no. We're doing this for the benefit of small independent developers who don't have the lawyers and money to fight for this sort of thing and right so right Apple's so they're like, not going to benefit from it as much yeah they benefit not at all 
because they clearly make more than a million dollars. Yeah. So I suspect the reason that they make you apply and, and they even have a distinction about small business is that a lot of the bigger companies that are on the App Store make zero money on the App Store because their app is free. Yeah. You know, you download yeah. AT&T app or the Bank of America app or whatever, uh, they make zero money, right? So they're by no means a small business. Um, so, right. so to distinguish those people from the people who are actually trying to make some money, just not making a whole lot of money, that's why they have the separate program. Right, right. But is that not just covered by, are you charging at all? I mean, you have a free app, it doesn't really matter. You know, the yeah, but why take could up, be a hundred percent. Yeah, but, but if, if let's say, I don't know what the numbers are, but say 80% of the, of the app store are free apps. Why have all that paperwork and, and bureaucracy to manage that for a huge number of people, make a huge number of people go through all this effort uh, to keep track of all this stuff yeah. if you don't need to, because it only applies to a small number of people. But I guess you could say, hmm. I, I guess you could say, well, you don't have to have any paperwork and it's just, we just count the numbers. It's an interesting point, like, because you're right, there there's probably is, I think the majority of apps on the App Store would be free and, and for which Apple gets nothing, right? Right. Um, except except that they, you know, they, they benefit from people being able to have apps on their phones, you know, as, in in that same sense. But sure. you're right. And, and then the big, big corporations that have, like, their marketing tools, like Amazon, like you buy the Amazon, you don't buy the Amazon app, you don't buy the Facebook app. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But those companies do benefit from you having digital access, access to their product, including especially now and during COVID when, you know, um, we're all supposed to stay home and entertain ourselves, right? So, you know, if you if you have the Amazon app, your Amazon's making money because you're buying things from, you know, they're getting commission from sales, right? Uh, and Facebook is, is selling ads and they're getting, you know, uh, commission for eyeballs, right? So um, in those cases, you know, Apple doesn't benefit from that. Uh, and those are, 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 you know, both companies that would have millions and millions of users, right? Right. So, um, but this does help the smaller, like, you know, the panics and the, and the, you know, the Omni groups and those kind of guys who are, who are legit developers and I'm sure are making more than a million dollars a year. You know, they're going to be paying, you know, 15% up to a million and then 30% beyond that. Um, but for the guys like me who I make literally make pizza money, like, you know, barely, well, I could probably. But it's not clear that someone like Omni is going to be allowed into the program as a small business. Right. So no, no, that's so what I'm saying. Pay, oh, I see. Oh, I see. What you're saying because yeah they're already they're already over the threshold everywhere right, right, right yeah oh okay right. yeah they do, they wouldn't be able to keep their business solvent given how many people they have no yeah at, yeah, yeah at a million dollars or less per year right right right, right. I mean and then granted that's from the app store and they do sell stuff outside the app store so so maybe they might cut it close you know if, if they didn't have as much in the app store but um, but but this is but this is why Apple well yet another reason why Apple is forcing you to apply because people like right. Epic or or people who are making, you know, if you're making a whole lot more than a million, uh, you know, there's there's a reasonable argument for Apple to say, well, you know, we're not going to give you this discount on the on your first million because uh, you know, we're helping your business in a large way. Yeah, for the first four days of January, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. So we're helping your business a large way, so you should pay for that privilege or pay for that service. Whereas a small company that's making, you know, 50k a year, then uh, it makes a lot of sense that they shouldn't have to pay the full percentage 
percentage in the, as it pay as much as someone like like Epic would have to pay. Yeah, I wonder if this this potentially leads to. I'm thinking down the road with all of the lawsuits that could come out of this. I wonder if it leads down the road to to there being a, a two levels to the app store. You know uh, that you know the 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 ones that are beyond are in the upper tier and the ones in the lower tier. Do they get a bigger hand up from Apple? You know, hence hence the way they've written the program uh, aimed at quote small businesses right They're, the the lawyers are very good here they've 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 made this a benefit for to help out the little guy as opposed to a penalty for the big guy right right That's yeah the whole oh, reason you're saying, so yeah, you have to right. apply because you need to prove that you're a little guy and therefore apple is generously helping you yeah well i mean obviously they're going to use your your app store sales as, as mm-hmm. the measure right mm-hmm. so right 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 but but say you're a say you're a company that makes 100 billion dollars a year let's say uh but yet your your app store presence makes 900k a year do you still get the 30 percent discount yeah i don't know i would argue you probably don't get the 30 percent you don't yeah it's a good it's a good point i mean like like let's take let's take amazon as, as an example right mm-hmm. so you know we know we know that they have millions of users we know that they have you know they're making lots of money through other things as well as you know by ha- by giving you this tool i mean they don't need the app they could you could use the website or whatever right mm-hmm. um but or you could use a google play app as well but the they don't make like they may not get like they may not sell they may not have a product that they sell on the app store itself but right? even if they like, do even if they do right I, I think this this is the whole reason for making you apply and calling it a small business even yeah. if they do even if they make you know nine hundred thousand dollars on the app store uh why should apple subsidize amazon yeah. why should they you know for that nine hundred thousand dollars why should they you know why should why should it's it's hard to argue that Amazon needs that extra three hundred thousand dollars or, or what's the difference here? One hundred uh, fifteen thousand, one hundred fifty thousand dollars is that worth the commission would be on a million bucks? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, right, right. So, so why? I mean, but you know, whatever the number is, it's not real. It's it's more the argument of of, of uh, if if as Epic says, they're helping out the little guy. Well, great. Now Apple has come along and said, okay, yeah, you're right. We're helping out the little guy too. Now we are helping the little guy. But if you're not a little guy. Yeah, you know, you're not getting any help from us. Sorry, right, <laughs> even right. if you even if you happen to make less than a million dollars on the App Store, yeah. you're not a little guy. So, so really, there's no reason for us to be helping you. And I think that's a reasonable argument. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good program, and and, and you know, I suppose the fact that you do have to apply does does sort of separate you from the the developer that puts an app on the App Store and then then you know walks away for nine months of the year, right? So and forgets about it. Well, but I don't think it's even about that. You know, it's if no, you, I mean like. If like, you are yeah, a I mean, guy who walks away, but you're only making, you know, 10K in the App Store, then yeah, sure, Apple, that. <laughs> whatever, you know, Apple, yeah. fine, you know, you can you can have the 15%. It's it's people like Epic <laughs> that yeah, yeah that they well. that they want they they want you to apply so they can screen out people like like Epic. That's, yeah, that's the reason. And that comes back to the nuclear bomb that Jaime sort of said. Yeah. that you know yeah. here here we're helping out the ninety nine percent of our developers mm-hmm. uh, who aren't making a million dollars a year. I know we're near it, and and you Epic who are you know in that small percentage of people who who do make money. Like I mean that's their business. Like, I'm sure Fortnite makes money hand over fist, right? Yeah, yeah, usually it's a lead pipe to uh, to the kneecaps but this was considerably <laughs> more damaging uh, in, in my not a lawyer opinion yeah it's funny all righty let's uh, yeah because I, I did you know of course we've been a, we've been off the air for two weeks and and the story came out a week and a half ago right and and I did 
see that there was some immediate backlash from, I guess, um, developers who, you know, pundits on the internet or on Twitter and things like that, who initially had a lot of bad things to say about it. And then, and then, you know, kind of came back a day or two later and said, well, yeah, actually had some time to think about it. So I did, did you see any of those kind of things, Jaime? Or I did. And, and I think that's why I brought up the point of any number above 0% commission is going to upset at least somebody, right? And I think, yes, it does not solve the entire problem of like, well, if it's 15, should it be 10? Should it be 5? Should it be, you know, 2.5? That should be like a gradual scale up or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I kind of tend to look at these things as it's better than what we had before, which was nothing, right? You had no no alternative. It was 30% yeah. or, or nothing. And now it seems like, okay, as long as you can fill out a form and you are legitimately a small business making less than a million dollars on the app store, you are yeah. getting 50% more of that value back, right? You gave up a 30% cut, take away half of that, and it is back in your own pockets. I mean, that seems like right. like a pretty good deal. It's hard. To, it, it's, it's easy, I think, to understand why we might complain about it in, in the meta mm. sense and, and in the sense yeah. of like, oh, this might you know hurt the, the, the swelling enthusiasm that people had of like, yeah, we need to change this when it was much more extreme now that it's it's less of extreme of a problem and, and almost not a problem at all. Yeah, I can see that point, but I'm kind of like, well, it's it still for now, while things are being figured out, it's more money in independent developers and small business developers pockets. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. There's sort of a reverse, reverse story here that, uh, as you know, I used to be a reseller and that was, it, it, I was a reseller before the app store came along. And then, and of course the app store, kind of, the Apple store itself uh, kind of crushed uh, my dreams in, in, in a way too, but wasn't the main contributor, but um, I had a certain quota that I had to meet and it was a lot of work to basically sell enough Macs and, and devices to, to make that quota in a year, especially for a small indie developer whose main, whose main focus was not selling Apple computers. I mean, Apple was obviously the the, the, the platform around which I did my work, but um, so it was tough to, set, to to get those. So I used to, you know, my f- friends and family used to buy stuff for me to help me out with that kind of stuff. And occasionally I get a big order, um, but, but my commission was really low and um, I had a good friend who's uh, who was running a much more successful resellership um, who was, who was, he was a, I think he was above a million in sales and uh, and he would get a better commission or better he would he would buy be able to buy things at a, at a better uh, discount than I could and and you know I sort of like asked him about that one day and he and I said you know it would be really nice if, if all resellers could get the same sort of kind of break because I was paying you know distributors and if I bought from Apple directly I got a better deal that kind of thing and it was a complicated set of affairs but um, as a small guy it was it was tough for me but and he told me that you know when you get up to that level of sales like the paperwork would just kill you like you know you, once you're at that part of the reason why you get that bigger discount is is because the the problems are greater right so uh, it's kind of a it's a reverse story in a sense that you know it was about about the the amount of discount you got from apple but um yeah and 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 i think i told you guys once when i went to a meeting once and and looked around the room and all i heard was like like the indie apocalypse a whole bunch of resellers complaining about the fact that we don't get a break from apple and we don't get as you know they take they, they keep a big commission from us and that kind of stuff and 
and that's the, de- the decision point for me when I went, why am I even in this room, you know? And I decided to get out of the business or that part of it anyway. But similar story, right? I don't know if it's the same. <laughs> but the, the bigger guys get the bigger the bigger discounts is what I'm getting at, right? Anywho. Mm. All righty. So um, also what's happened, and we talked about this last week or, or last two weeks ago when our first or last episode came out, um, that the M1 computers were available or going to be were announced. You know, we had the big announcement, the MacBook Air, uh, two flavors of that, two flavors of the MacBook Pro 13, but like on the smaller size, the, the two port models, not the four port models, plus a mini with, you know, a number of, with more ports if you wanted that kind of thing. Um, and so there's been a lot of discussion now that these things have arrived in people's hands, the reviewers have got theirs, um, and as well, you know, some of our, some of our colleagues have, have uh, got their, got their hands on some. So there's a lot of discussion on, on the sort of, uh, and, and I've got three videos linked here. Um, one is uh, um, a video that compares uh, whether you should get eight gigs or 16 gigs of RAM on an M1, and he uses uh, MacBook Pro 13 for that choice and, and runs a bunch of a bunch of benchmarks across it. And uh, another another one is uh, comparing um, different, ex- like uh, Rennie Ritchie's is much more, um, his video is much more uh, broad and general in terms of what he covers. And then uh, also uh, comparing the base model MacBook Air versus the MacBook Pro. Um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see these, but um, I mean, generally the, the, the TLDR is that Rosetta performance is, is good on these machines. Um, they, for apps that are, haven't been optimized for the M1 platform, um, Rosetta performance is still better than, it seems, the Intel machines. Um, the Geek Geek scores between the, I'm talking about the 8 gig versus 16 gig uh, M1s, um, they're like the, they're, they're neck and neck on, on the Rosetta performance, they're neck and neck on, on Geekbench. Um, Xcode was was one that I thought was interesting because for us, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on on how long build times would take, right? Um, and uh, I made a comment to you guys on Slack, and I'm going to bring it up here that the uh, he said that you know the difference between the, the the case was the case is this is that if you watch any they watch the video um, on each one of these performances or each one of these tests, if if there's more than eight gigabytes available on the machine, like if it's a 16 gig machine, it does use the more than eight gigs of RAM, like it does do that. But if it's obviously if it's only got eight gigs of RAM to work with, it it kind of you know uses it up to a couple of megabytes available kind of thing um, on most of these tests that he ran. But the funny thing was when he got to Xcode, that was when of course you know it, it kind of hit uh, in terms of performance that the uh, 16 gig RAM M1 performed 11 percent faster than the uh, eight gigs. And my point was about comment was that he said it, the way he said it was only 11 percent. And so I did some quick back of the back of the envelope math and if, if i take 11 percent of a year isn't that 40 days well, Am I right there it, it, yeah but i'm actually a little disappointed in the 11 percent myself when you think about it you're not you're not building 100 percent of the time mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. uh so so the saying that it's 40 days of the year yeah it is but that's a little bit unfair it's in 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 comparison right because you're not actually your your actual actual development time isn't going to be uh decreased by 11 Right, because okay. of all the other overhead. So, so really, what you want to do is for that amount of time that you are building, you want to get that sped up as fast as possible because your fixed costs, like the time you're there typing code, that that's not going to change, right? So, you want to decrease the build time as much as possible to to get the best punch out of it. So, so is it only eleven percent faster? Is that yeah? Eleven like, percent like, seems to me seems a little bit low. Is it insignificant? I mean, like is, that's the difference between buying an eight gig model and then a sixteen.
16 gig model, right? In terms of RAM, like, would you, or would you just buy the 16 gig model because eight gigs is ridiculous these days? Yeah, well, yeah, I, yes, I would. I would buy the 16 gig because eight gigs is ridiculous these days. It's it's not so much. So the so to me, it's the the extra memory isn't so much in helping you get faster builds. It's more how many applications can you have open at the same time. That's really right. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, and the other on the other comparison, the the MacBook Air base model MacBook Air versus the Pro uh, MacBook Pro 13 base model. The difference is seven core GPU versus in the MacBook Air base model versus an eight core GPU in the Pro model. Right. If you go, it looks so there are two Air. I said there were two flavors of Air. You can get one with a seven core or a, or an eight core if you if you step up and buy a larger configuration. But um, that made a difference on things like uh, video rendering and graphics intensive activities if you were making if you were doing that kind of stuff but generally speaking again they were they were very close in terms of performance and they are i mean for all intents and purposes the difference between a pro and uh, sorry a macbook air and a macbook pro m1 is the lack of touch bar um battery the air has the air has function keys battery life is slightly different too yeah. that's true because a smaller battery and it comes yeah. with a smaller charger um the air versus the pro which means the pro is going to charge faster necessarily and then uh, the other thing was the sound and we talked about the microphones and the better speaker sounds um, in the pro models right but, but i mean for all intents and purposes they're the same processor and you can get them with the same configured gpu right so so what do you think about the the gpu difference mark would it make that much of a difference you think for the majority of us in the development world uh for in the development world probably not. like a seven core gpu versus eight core is it a seven like core it. gpu or, or versus eight core gpu or is it cpu yeah yeah the, the difference is it's the same chip but yeah. the the base model like, i'm just talking about the base model which none of us would buy i don't think right because it's like 120 or 256 gig drive in a eight gigs of memory right but um uh, yeah, it has a seven core GPU versus eight core GPUs. Yeah, uh, I, think- I, I would think you know if you're not like doing hardcore gaming or stuff like that, or or you know training machine learning models, right, <laughs> then you're right. probably not going to notice a difference. <laughs> in in my opinion, yeah, yeah. Again, Jaime's being really silent over there. I I don't have. Uh, it, it feels weird. Like I want to participate. <laughs> I'm like very much on the outside looking in, and that I, I don't have the the background in chips. I uh, don't have one of the devices because I can't say, oh, here's my experience with. With an M1 device. I mean, I have opinions that everything that people are saying is like, this seems like pretty kick-ass, especially for a first-gen device, right? Um, and and although it does seem like a lot of um, tools have, have made the jump, either explicitly and, and building for the M1 or uh, sort of indirectly through uh, Rosetta compatibility, it does seem like there are some little gotchas, probably more for the developer set of like, oh, uh, Docker isn't supported on here how's that going to work right yeah, uh, yeah. rust and etc probably not like if you're sticking into the the base apple ecosystem right as far as i understand xcode and swift and objective c all of that good stuff continues to yeah, final cut pro logic pro yeah yeah so it, it, it feels like it kind of depends on who you ask and it's hard for me to add in my two cents when, when i have no skin in the game and no experience <laughs> positive or negative with the devices myself so um kind of along for the ride with the rest of you guys mm, i guess so yeah there was one other point there um sure 
have written it down. Oh, well, I'll come back to it. Um, yeah, I, well, speaking of gotchas, I mean, well, I don't know if you heard today, but there, there's been some reports of, and I don't have a link, but I'll find one for the show notes, uh, about people uh, having experiences with Bluetooth connectivity on the new devices. But then it's, that was it's on the Mac Mini, right? That's a little uh, I think all of them is that we're just a Mini oh, itself. I, I okay, the article I saw was specifically the Mini, but it could be all of them. Uh, yeah, that's pretty disappointing for me, considering yeah. my main use case is with a, a Bluetooth keyboard and trackpad. So, right. Um, but I don't have one in front of me to tell yet, so I don't know. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I can only base on my experience with the with the DTK. I have a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse mm-hmm. that I use with it because mm-hmm. I've had the trouble waking it up <laughs> from time mm-hmm. to time. And if mm-hmm. so, I so I ended up I ended up getting my my Bluetooth keyboard, which I never use, and put some batteries in it and hooked it up so I can at least slam on the space bar to wake it up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, from time to time. But um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. But but uh, there's another gotcha for me. Like I do a lot of lot of uh, m- monkeying around with my devices and and reinstalling them and changing them and wiping them when I sell them to friends and whatever. But uh, one of the things that, that's that's been kind of problematic lately is the oh, there's one other thing I want to talk about the M1 which I've just remembered um, the with the T2 computers, the T2 Max that came out in 2018 and 2019. There's if you have if you set a firmware password on them, you can't boot them from an external disk. And I noticed that when I went to update my my MacBook Pro 2020 machine here, has a T2 chip in it? I guess it does. I couldn't boot it from a USB installer that I'd made just to save myself, you know, the hassle of having to download Big Sur over and over again. Uh, because actually, when Big Sur came available, there was a problem with Apple servers last week, and and uh, so you were lucky if you got it to download on the Friday that after the, I think it was announced on Thursday. It came out on Thursday. Some of us are struggling, still struggling on Friday to download it because um, apparently just everybody rushed over to the the servers. I'm not sure what the issue was, but there was some sort of DNS issue or something like that. Um, but so this article I've got here uh, talks about things like uh, internet recovery. You know, if you boot your Mac holding the command R key down, um, you can connect, you know, uh, you can connect to the remote, or sorry, connect uh, command R and you don't have an OS on the machine. You can actually connect to Apple servers on an Intel machine and you can download an OS. It takes a little bit longer, but but apparently that is now not an option on uh, the uh, the Silicon, Apple Silicon Macs. So I don't know if that's going to come back later, but that's currently the choices. So your choices of reinstalling um, are using the recovery on the on the dip, if there's a recovery partition on the drive. But if you were foolish enough to erase the drive, then you'd, you've erased that partition as well. Um, yeah, it says here that the system recovery is not available anymore as well. So and if you boot a if you create a uh, installer drive, you may have trouble um, building that. So I don't know if you guys know, but inside the installer package, there's a there's a um, a command line tool called create create install media. And if you put a USB in, it'll erase the USB and install, like make it like an installer disk, if you will, uh, which you can then boot from in most cases. So um, yeah, so people are going to have to be a little bit more uh, smart about how they how they wipe these Macs, right? So um, and there's a so there's an article here from Mister Mister uh, Macintosh, he calls himself, um, which goes through the, the various ways to to do the recovery of your Mac, right? So just be be forewarned if you're like that. Um, a friend of mine gave me a, a MacBook Air a couple of weeks ago. And he'd erased the drive, and it took me forever to figure out how to get uh, any kind of OS to install on it because I couldn't boot it because he'd basically wiped the entire partition, right? So it sort of wiped the whole volume, including the right. So you can't recovery. really set up the uh, can't use the startup disk system preference yeah. if there's no right. if there's nothing yeah. on, on the disk, right? Yeah. Well, and you can't, and the, and the you know the recovery mode doesn't work because there's nothing there, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I didn't, I didn't. I think I didn't want to install whatever. I wanted to bring it to like a, a more modern uh, OS. I didn't 
didn't want to use the one that came with. Well, actually, no, yeah, that's right. These guys came with Lion back in the day, right? So, and uh, Apple doesn't have a Lion installer anymore available online. Hasn't had for a while, right? So, Lion, that's like 10 years ago, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, this yeah. is a 2011 mm-hmm. or 2011, yeah, 2011 uh, Mac that, that mm-hmm. I was talking about. But yeah, just be, be forewarned here. It's a good, a good article here on um, the various ways to recover your Mac uh, if you have a Silicon Mac and you decide to wipe it for whatever reason. But just be, be mindful of that. Um, yeah. And then as I put this one here, surprises to nobody. Um, Ming-Chi Kuo has um, come out with this uh, article. A couple of things he's, he's new leaks he's come out when that's that the the next uh, wave of, um, and he's saying the second half of 2021, which is a long way away. That's a long way away. Yeah. yeah. He's talking about a redesigned uh, 14-inch, which Mark's been clamoring for, and a 16-inch Pro models, a MacBook Pro models. Um, I haven't and been, also, have I been clamoring for a 14-inch? Well, you've been mentioning why oh. why I haven't it in a 14. Not yeah. that you wanted one. You probably, yeah. You're probably yeah. a 16 guy yourself, right? I'm yeah, sure. generally, yeah. Although, <laughs> well, you know, you never know. Do you know what the 16, like I, I had a I had a 16 on, on my front porch a couple of months ago and a 15, and they're virtually the same size, like the actual physical box, the, 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 the case itself. The 15 and the 16? Yeah, like yeah. the physical yeah, yeah. dimensions. Yeah, yeah. It's sure, just, yeah. Just, they they did that on space, purpose, right? right? They just yeah. they just got rid of the bezel to give you a little bit more screen real estate. Yeah. So presumably a thirteen to a fourteen would do kind same of exactly thing. the yeah. same thing. Yeah. 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 Actually, my 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 current uh, MacBook Pro thirteen is smaller than my older MacBook Airs. Mm-hmm. So surprisingly, um, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, talking about uh, apparently Intel and um, M ones are going to be available next year, which makes sense. I think there's going to be uh, there might be some reasons why you still want to stick with an Intel processor next year right so wouldn't you think yeah there might be some software that doesn't doesn't transfer over so well i mean there's i know that all the benchmarks uh look great but they're but they're probably picking and choosing a little bit what software they're doing the benchmarks on and i could for sure see that certain types of specialty applications could be very tuned to have high performance on the intel architecture you know so if there's a lot of assembly code that's really taking advantage of of how the intel architecture works right yeah um, uh, uh, I know one example in particular is is a lot of these um, cryptocurrency mining. Uh, oh yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right. they're tuned very much at the because they're trying to get as much processing power as, as possible, right? Because you want to just because it's it, and literally time is money, right? The the more calculations you do, the more money you make. So if right. you can if you can tune each calculation down to shave off just a couple of couple of milliseconds, even you make more money, right? So they really go down to the to the machine code level. And take advantage of just details of like how the Intel chip uh, cache is set up and things like that, mm-hmm. um, just to tweak out every last drop of performance. So things like that actually will probably run pretty crappily on a on a uh, Apple Silicon right, architecture. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Like I thought that VMware, you know, the the people who write the emulators mm-hmm. for to run Windows yep. on Macs. I mean, because yep. Macs, I mean, you know, because of the uh, what boot camp, um, your Mac is probably one of the better hardwares you could buy out there for a laptop right uh, but that's running natively running windows right but and i always thought that the vmware and parallels was another one i thought they were able to tap into the 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 hardware
hardware, you know, address address it better because they because they basically work with Windows all the time, right? Windows equipment, I mean, Windows hardware. Um, but apparently, VMware is coming out with a with a M1 compatible version soon, right? Mm-hmm. And mind mind you, that's not surprising because VMware sort of they're the the you know, they're in the virtualization game with any kind of devices like servers and what have you, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I was interested to see. I thought I thought that the the you know the Windows emulation kind of thing would go away or or get crippled a bit with with the new computers. But I guess you know they're they're probably running on a sort of a Unix kernel kind of model, right? Where they're sitting on top of the hardware. Well, Windows doesn't run on Linux or Unix. No, but, I know. But, but what yeah. I'm saying though is is that that you know I, I Mac OS is is a is a Unix you know mm-hmm. base, right? Mm-hmm. So VMware probably sits on top of the kernel all this time, even though I thought that they were tapping directly into the hardware, right? Right. Because you know, they do they do run within the protected Mac OS environment as well, right? That's right. It is. It's an it's an emulator for sure. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're running, if you're running boot camp, then you're running actually. Yeah. Windows. Then you're running natively. Yeah. 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 All the, you get all the viruses yeah. you want. Which is actually questions. now that we mention it, which it's another reason to keep Intel machines around because if you do rely on dual boot and doing a lot of Windows stuff, then yeah, you are going to want to keep Intel hardware around as long as possible. True. Yeah. And thought about that. The other the other surprising thing that I that I, I didn't click on right away was um, that, you know, we talked about the T2 chip being underneath the touch bar or touch ID thing on your computer. Um, that's no longer a separate piece of hardware. It's now on the chip itself with the M1 as well, right? It's because mm-hmm. the secure enclave is inside the M1 chip now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's another thing that's another casualty of the uh, transition to Intel is the fact, or sorry, away from Intel is that uh, the, the M1 is now, it's got the, I mean, you got the RAM inside the chip, you got the GPU inside the chip you've got the t- the t the touch id sensors inside the chip i mean it's basically all within that same yeah five nanometer bus right that's is that that must be where they're getting a lot of performance from too right yeah well i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for the t2 to be on chip because it removes a possible attack vector if you if yeah the, no no if I, the t2 I, I agree separate, I, yeah okay yeah yeah if it's yeah, a separate yeah, chip okay. there's always a way for some clever hacker to figure out how to disable it but if it's on the chip it's much much harder yeah so but but if the yeah where's the storage I wonder we didn't talk about that like the actual 16 gigs of the the you know the, oh no I guess the hard drive would be the, the SSD, SSD yeah that has, has to be separate that has separate, to be separate okay yeah. yeah but the RAM and the, the security and all that stuff is within this this one package right? is the RAM uh, I think the, I yeah know. I think the RAM is inside the chip yeah pretty sure yeah maybe yeah yeah that was maybe. the talk about f- why it was limited to 16 gigs mm, that, yeah that you okay. couldn't like go and buy your extra stuff and and put it on yourself it's like no it's all part of that system on the on the chip. Yeah, the system on the chip and the RAM chips are mounted together in a system in a package design, Mark. Well, system in a package is different than system on chip. Right, of course. <laughs> I'm just reading what's written here. But, um, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Because I'm looking at this this uh, picture of the, the, the chip itself without any, you know, grease on it and, the, and heat shrinks or heat, um, what do you call those? Heat sinks. Yeah, heat sinks, right? Um, it looks like, it looks like uh, it, you know, if it's a square, like it's like a, one side of it is the actual chip and then the other side could be RAM modules or something. Wait, 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 wait. What are you looking at? <laughs> because if there's, if there's anything but a single piece of silicon, then it's not system. I think it is a single piece of silicon, but I think the I think that the the stuff is mounted there. But you can see in the, the the preview picture. That's what the M1 looks like, right? Once you take all the heat dissipating stuff off of it. There was I watched I saw it uh, take apart the other day on. Um, so it has uh, four high performance Firestorm cores and four low power Ice Storm cores inside this thing using ARM's big little architecture. For those of you driving at home, of course. Okay, here's a diagram. 
diagram of how they use the bandwidth unified memory architecture. Uh, I'm looking at something from Apple's site. Where to run like the clappers? Is that, a, is that a turn of phrase that either one of you gentlemen recognize? No. Okay. Why? Not just me, because that link of the register, how Apple's M1 uses high bandwidth memory to, to run, run like, like the, the clappers. clappers. What? Curious where... Where the author is from. Well, the register is England. That's, that's England. Okay, so that's a different slang than we use here. You have to ask Mr. Run like the clappers. Yeah. yeah, so it's interesting. It's got the CPUs. Okay, so it does, have the DRAM, it does have DRAM on chip. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. It's over yeah. on the one side, right? On, on the right-hand side, if you're looking at it from top down, right? Yeah, so yes. you got your cache. Yeah. you got your GPU in built in there. Neural engines in there as well, right? Mm-hmm. What was the oh. what was the thing called fabric in the diagram? I think I missed that. Yeah, I don't know what the fabric is. I was going to ask the, the chip expert. I don't know, but that. <laughs> yeah, I assume it's it's some sort of fancy pants name for something and not like it was like, hey, let's let's put some swatches in here. <laughs> some green, some blue. <laughs> yeah, this is the part we don't talk about, the fabric, right? Oh, Ma- Apple M1 chip on Apple. Small chip giant leap. Oh, wow, it looks quite different, eh? Like, uh, so there's a there's a uh, picture of the chip itself. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. So, you know, which the part where it says yeah. on a single chip and it says five nanometer process. So that's the silicon there right. in the square so, in the middle, so right? So the square in the middle is the stomano chip right so then you got oh, okay. a bunch of looks like capacitors on top yeah. and the bottom and yeah. then you got the two things to the right now what what are those i don't know the things on the right are the ram i'm pretty sure no well well if you look at the last diagram i, I sent you well if that's right? the ram then what they're saying is the is the ram is a different chip yeah scroll scroll down a bit like if you scroll down to the the next diagram which says yeah. unified memory and so if you see where the ram modules or dram models oh modules yeah yeah are. okay so the ram is a different chip that okay then that makes sense. What do we call it? We call it system on a chip or system on a chip. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I mean, system on a chip is, is a very generic general term. Uh, that has been around for a long time. Apple didn't invent system on chip, right? The, it's been around forever. And it's basically just integrating all sorts of stuff onto the chip. Like just having the, you know, the CPU and the, and the cache and GPU, uh, and the fabric, uh, on the chip makes it a system, oh, system chip. in the package. That was the, that was the term I used yeah. that you took up right, right, right. exception so, to in a sense. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the package is the, is kind of the box that so with the RAM. In. Yeah. With the RAM. So there must be some kind of bus. Like, yeah. Okay. And if you scroll down a little bit further, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Where it says eight core CPU three and a half X, that's yeah. showing all the cores and all that. So the RAM is not not on chip, which which makes sense. I was kind of surprised to hear that the RAM was on chip <laughs> when you guys are saying that. Um, and this, yeah, this makes sense because RAM. I mean, RAM is kind of a, in some sense a different different animal than than. I mean, it's the same stuff, but you know, people are very very good at making RAM chips, and you can and you can have a lot of expertise at making RAM chips and not make a microprocessor and vice versa. So for Apple to start designing their own RAM seems a little funny because it's it's like that's sort of a solved problem in some sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah well, that's cool. I mean, so uh, I, I finally remembered what I was, what I forgot. So what I was going to say earlier, like, was you know we've seen the performance of of Apple's software on iPads for the last you know ten years right and you know and the the new like you know the last year's commercial was you you get yourself an uh, iPad Pro and a Mac keep Magic Keyboard and a, and a Apple Pencil and you've now your next computer won't be a computer was was the pitch right and I've always found that apps on iPad OS and and even on iOS have been very performant in terms of launching and you know turning the thing on and getting into it whereas 
because, you know, for the last 30 plus years, we've all been happily watching progress bars on our Macs as, you know, Inits and CDEVs and, you know, system extensions and stuff like that load into our Macs, right? Whereas now, you know, you turn these M1s on. I mean, I don't have one, so I can't say, but you turn the M1 on and it's on kind of thing, right? You open an app and it kind of opens as opposed to, you know, bouncing in the dock for 20 times or whatever, right? Um, Like that's been my experience with the DTK. If I open Safari on there, I just click on the icon. It does like maybe one, one and a half hops and it's open, right? So we've been used to that kind of performance on iPads. So why would we be surprised if if Apple moved their Arc, their Mac OS over to the same type of chip, right? Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you expect that they could get similar kind of performances that they've been able to get on their own, you know, working with their, their own Apple chips on the iPads and things? Well, yes, to some degree, yeah. Uh, part of the difference, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that go into that, though. Uh, one is the... Um, I mean, you've got keyboard and mouse and other speakers and fans and whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's mainly just the, the complexity of the operating system and the boot up process, right? The on the iPad, you know, there's not a lot of like system extensions and things like that, and 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 user installed things that that are slowing it down. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and well, certainly back in the old days when there were hard disks involved, that would that would slow it way down, of course. Yeah, but yeah I, I just, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what they're doing to speed it up. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I mean, like, like I'm, you know, I'm partially not. What I'm saying is, I'm partially not surprised based on mm-hmm. the work they've we've seen and the the, the performance we're getting out of our iPad. I mean, yeah, notwithstanding the iPads, you know, that have that whole walled garden argument thing, right, where you know, you've pretty much got dedicated apps that do a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you switch over to another app, that thing isn't necessarily running in a background unless you have, like, a background process or something keeping some process alive, right? But mm-hmm. And but, and it's at the, the system's discretion whether it wants to kill that process to, you know, for the for the currently running uh, operations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think you know, um, I was pleased to see how snappy the, the performance is when I'm using the the DTK right in terms of launching things, but um, yeah. You know, whereas you know, <laughs> you know, I have various experiences because I work on multiple Macs at a time. Like you know, we have the old 2013 upstairs in the kitchen, and you go to open Safari on, and it's like, oh my god, I'm waiting for this thing to open, right? Yeah. Uh, or even just connecting to the Wi-Fi seems to be dodgy these days, right? So one one thing that is also different between the the iPad and the Mac is the existence of the Finder. So on, on the iPad, I mean, it's true. The on, on the iPad, you're not running Springboard so much when you're running another app, right? Springboard is right. kind of hiding; it's in the background there. But but the Finder's always running, even if you have a another Mac app running, even if it's full screen, the Finder's still there; it's still doing stuff. So so that probably takes up a lot of processing time and and a lot of uh, boot up time just to get the Finder in, in shape to run. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and anytime you open a save dialog box or whatever, you're or you go to open the file, it's got to bring that whole uh, metaphor up, right? Yep. So, yep. yeah. It's funny, you know, you say that because I, when I first started on the Mac, it was System 6 and, you know, if you opened the multi-finder you were just, wait, you were yeah. going to get a whole world of hurt, right? Right. So, I used to run, I used to run a thing called Desktop and I would uh, I would be able to, I would have access to things like I could rename files, I could move things and all that through a control panel, right? Um, and so, you basically launched the app you were working in and you didn't go back 
to the finder. Like you used to, back in the early days, like a caveman, if you open an app and you wanted to rename a folder or rename a file, you had to leave that application, right. go to the finder, find, open the folder, you know, rename the thing like in you know, like a caveman and then come God, back to your kind app. Kind of like right? what you have to do in mm-hmm. iOS, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, that's my point, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, but this, this CD, like it's like, you know, like I don't know, I use photos a lot in my apps, right? In my, in my work. And so I'm constantly opening the photos app. Either I'm going to the photos app directly and I'm copying and pasting an image in, or I'm going to the pictures thing in the sidebar and, and you know, getting the, the photo kit uh, to load up or whatever. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've always had problems with it on Mac OS lately, but um, I'm constantly going th- using photos all day long and switching back and forth. And yeah, I just, it's, I remember this, you know, it was so much more easy. Like I really miss desktop is what I'm getting at, right? The fact yeah, that I could yeah. actually be productive without having to go and, you know, drag the finder onto the desk and load it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wonder, it would be interesting to see if you, if you could run o- uh, Mac OS like eight, say yeah, on modern hardware, how fast would mm. that boot up? Yeah. I, I bet it'd be pretty fast. Oh yeah. 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 Well, well, so up until nine, up until Mac OS nine, you know, classic, but the last version of classic, I actually was able to open Mac Paint, and occasionally I would open up Mac Paint just for a laugh, and it would only run in a little tiny window in the corner. But the fact that I could actually open up this this archaic, you know, app that was written by by you know uh, Bill Atkinson back in like eighty three, right? So the fact that it was still running in like nineteen ninety nine was amazing, right? So yeah, um, I do have, uh, mind you, I do have um, a system running on my like System six running on my iPad in an emulator too and it's pretty quick mm-hmm. like it, it's no it's nowhere near as like I mean, you used to turn on your Mac and you would go make a coffee and get a sandwich and, you know, come back and then put a floppy disk in the drive and well, right, wait when for... Well, booting up a, off of floppy disks. No, I was booting <laughs> off a hard drive, but reading okay, files but still, off of floppies, yeah. right? Yeah. But, yeah, no, yeah. Like a cave person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you had to go back and, and uh, run a Mac or boot a Mac off of a off a magnetic hard disk these days, mm. I think you'd be pretty happy with the current boot up performance. <laughs> pretty, pretty Apple Silicon. <laughs> I do still run, I do run some I have a Mac mini servers and stuff like that they're like my media machines and and mm-hmm. um, they all run they're constantly running and they're all still running off of physical disks right mm-hmm. so yeah I'm just I'm, I'm just at the point where I'm gonna I'm gonna retire my drobo and just get my, get myself like an eight terabyte drive from from Samsung or, or not from um, Seagate and uh, I'm waiting for the Black Friday sales right so mm-hmm. time to time to retire those puppies but yeah those were the days my friends and thankfully they're gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Nixon's going to bring him back, which is a quote from Frank Zappa, for those of you driving at home. All righty. Um, yeah, I guess we'll move on to our picks, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I have a couple of, I owe, I owe a couple of reviews to this this company called Juiced. Um, they sent me a couple of, uh, they, kept, I, they, they sent me an email one day and said, hey, would you mind reviewing our products? And I said, sure, why not? And then I had just got, I just ordered the the um, MacBook Pro uh, 2020. And so I knew I was going to be looking at um, yeah, anything that works with the US. USB-C connection, and I have I have one for my iPad. I bought a dock from Hyperdrive, and I have a Hyperdrive dock for my Macs as well. Um, but these, so what they sent me was a couple of things. Uh, they sent me uh, a couple of three uh, multiple port adapters, and one I use every single day, and it's a, it's great because it's got a, a like a, a it doesn't plug into the into the, so a lot of them are designed to fit into the two ports on the one side, so you kind of and then they have a pass through USB port, um, which so you can charge it and hook other things up, and but it gives you access to things like USB-A 
connection. And if you're like me and you work with, sometimes I work with my um, um, 3D printers, I use SD cards, right? So if I want to write to an SD card or put a model on it, I can. And the one I have for my iPad Pro, which if you, I don't know if you know or not, has, no longer has a headphone jack. Well, the one I have here has a headphone jack. But so the, the, the one I use every day, though, has an Ethernet port on the back of it. So it's got three USB A's on one side, then it's got, you know, uh, HDMI and USB C's and SD's, and then this fabulous Ethernet port on the back, which that's my favorite one. Um, that's the, the, what they call the BizHub Pro one here. And then the smaller ones are, are the, the six in one, which they had six ports to, to the one, and it has all the USB SD card readers and that kind of stuff, but no HDMI. The seven in one, uh, or what they call Ultra Hub uh, model has uh, HDMI in the back of it. So if you want to have like an external screen and all that kind of stuff, you can, you can run, you can run that off. And what's handy about these is if you're like me, like I work at my desk and I have the things plugged into these, these have a bunch of things connected to it. And then when I want to undisconnect, I just unplug them and go sit on the couch and then work like a, per, like a portable person. So I have my, my display port here and a, key, a hardware keyboard wired, in, wired in. And I have my, my, um, touch, uh, what do you call this thing? Touchpad, magic pad, magic trackpad, trackpad, magic trackpad. And I have that connected to this thing. So when I want to work at the desk, I just plug the Mac in and it sits up on the dock and I, and I work on it. And then when I want to be portable, I just unplug the adapter and away I go. So these are super handy for that. Uh, but also they send along these, uh, these really nice uh, USB cables. There's two of them. One is USB-C to USB-A, which is great. And the other one is the USB-C cable itself. And so every now and then I'll be sitting on the couch and I'll want to build to my device and I'll think, oh, I got to go get a cable. But I f- then I remember, okay, they sent me this, this nice braided cable. I just plug it in. I can charge the Mac with it, or I can also write to my devices. Like my iPad Pro has a USB-C port, so I can build to the US- to the uh, iPad Pro using this, uh, this cable. So these are cool products from uh, Juice Systems. I'll have a link in the show notes for those of you driving at home. And that's my first one. Uh, my second pick is um, uh, a, a, a website where you can check the compatibility of M1 applications, which we were just talking about. Um, there's a tool here, which will you can download and put onto your Mac, and uh, it'll tell you whether or not the applications you have installed are universal, which means they're written for both Intel and iOS, or sorry, Intel and uh, M1, or you can see if they're just Intel. Like, for instance, Slack in the, in the screenshot that they've got here is is still written in Intel. So it'll run in emulation. TweetBot, as of the time of the screenshot was taken, is also an Intel app. So um, I think every time we have a major OS, uh, I think we had the same problem when we went from 32-bit architecture to 64 bits, you know, or 64-bit only in Catalina, I think it was, right? Um, there was a similar utility you could get that would tell you whether or not your your uh, apps would run. So yeah, this isn't just a pick for me. I found this one today, just uh, looking around uh, for different articles on um, the show and uh, stumbled across this one, which I think is uh, there's going to be a lot of M1 talk, I think, <laughs> for the next little while as people move over to that platform. That's the name of that tune. It's pretty neat because I know when we were talking about the transition from 32-bit to 64-bit, you could look at a system report, I guess, and get that or wait until macOS decided to sort of randomly ping you up like, hey, this app isn't going to be supported by the next version. Yeah, so yeah. It is a little nice to have something like this. It's like, hey, okay, now I kind of know what I'm getting into. How do my apps look um, with, with regard to what I can live with and what I can't live with or yeah. I can't live without, you know. Well, there was a lot of a lot of issues I, all the time, you know, 
every every major upgrade, whether it's like a from one chip to another, you know, going from the 68Ks to the to the G3s to the Intels, um, culprits like Photoshop, um, Adobe products would 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 be laggards, and and that would be a huge problem, especially in print and publishing, because you like that would be a decision whether you made the leap or not, right? Thankfully, Photoshop is ahead of the game this time, and they do their products are M1 compatible, at least most of them are. Um, but yeah, there's like like you know if if you live and live and die by Slack, and you know uh, it's not ready for you yet. Uh, I, I can tell you, I do run Slack on my on my um, my DTK, and it seems to be fine. So, so actually, maybe I can jump in to do my pick because it's directly related to your pick. Jim. Sure, yeah, uh, and then we can go on to Jaime's. So, mine is a website called isapplesiliconready.com, and it's a similar kind of thing where it's a, a list of all sorts of applications, uh, and it tells you whether uh, it exists uh, in an Apple Silicon optimized form uh, as of today, or is it just Rosetta two available or, or doesn't work at all uh it should it should work at all but what's interesting about this site is it's it's categorized by different types of usage so there's a page for that's is apple silicon ready for design then there's a page right. for is apple silicon ready for music then there's another one for web browsers another one for developers and all sorts of different ones there's probably you know close to almost a dozen of of them different categories and it just has a list of all the kind of the major uh software applications uh, within that type of of, uh, of, of use mode. Uh, and then it has just a general rating. Uh, it'll either say a big yes if they feel that it is ready for design, let's say, uh, and design actually does say yes. For music production, it says almost. Uh, web right. browsers, it's almost. Developers, it's not yet. Now, that right, one's a little yeah. bit unfair because if you, if you are an iOS or a Mac developer, of course, it's 100% ready. But there's you know, they're talking about sort of general per, general designers who might be using a Mac. There's things like, um, you know, Golang from Google is is not, you know, Apple Silicon ready yet. Or, and um, um, Android Studio. You know, Android, uh, let's see, is Android Studio on here? Je- it's got a, it's got a yield sign to it. Yeah. Well, there's three There's three levels. There's kind of a, a, a red circle with a slash, and then there's a yellow yield sign. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the difference between those is. But um, The ones that stand out for me would be VS Code, because a lot of people, I think Jaime works in VS Code, right? Hmm. Yeah. So VS then, Code, when I look at that line, so it has Apple Silicon optimized yellow mm-hmm. triangle, which is mm-hmm. Rosetta 2 only. Yeah. And then when it talks about Rosetta 2, it's like, well, we just told you Rosetta 2, so it's... You know, check yeah, marks on Strange, yeah. Well, but there's crashes others, reported is what it says. Yeah, yeah the, the... the reason I'm a little confused is look at, for example, uh, R, right? The R language. So it, there's a check mark in the Rosetta 2 column, but but in the Apple Silicon Optimized, it says not working as opposed to Rosetta 2 only. Right, right. So what's the difference? So all of the ones with the yellow yield sign that are so supposed to be Rosetta if 2 If you click only, on them, it tells you individually, it'll, go, it'll navigate into that app and tells you what the issue is. Hmm. Like, so VS Code says uh, crashes have been reported or under Apple Silicon and um, Android Studio. But it then says, click, on, click on R, which has a, a red circle with a slash. It says this app works with Rosetta 2. So how come it doesn't have a yellow yield sign? That, that I don't know. So, okay, not 100% huh. sure what the what the different uh, qualifications are, but we can pretty clearly see, you know, the ones that have an, a, a green checkbox uh, are good to go, are working. And the ones that don't, uh, there's really only only Android Studio in the developer list doesn't seem to work in Rosetta 2. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, crashes. It says crashes have been reported. Yeah. On it. Yeah. But uh, oh, 
there's more. There's more apps. Wait, there's more. There's another whole other oh, page. That's right. There's a whole other page. PHP. Oh yeah, Docker. Uh, Docker does not work on Rosetta two. Haskell flat out circle with a red slash on Rosetta two. Oh, both, just yeah. is not going to work. It looks like. Yeah, the the programming yeah. languages filter is by far the saddest filter, and that's mm. where I think this is a really cool site to look at because it, it kind of depends on your use case, right? So you'll hear some folks like, oh, Apple Silicon is not ready for prime time. And you know, some people are like, holy smokes, this is so good. I can't believe how seamless it was. It's like, well, yeah, because mm-hmm. it depends on your use case. Yep. Right? There, there's going to be a transition period. Um, I did not, I mean, I was alive. <laughs> I say I did not live through, but I did not <laughs> personally encounter the transition from PowerPC to Intel. So I, I can't speak right, to that. Right. But it sounds like you guys were. So you yeah. talk about the, yep. the time yeah, we were alive, yeah. and, and the pain <laughs> relative. <laughs> yeah. Did I ever tell you the story that I, I bought the last model of PowerPC without even realizing that I had done it just like a couple of weeks before the Intel ones were announced. Oh, really? I was pretty pissed oh, wow. off. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it, it wasn't that I didn't realize that what I was buying. I just, they announced the PowerPC, the, yeah, sorry, the Intel. Yeah, they announced the Intel version like a couple of weeks right after I bought my brand yeah, spanking yeah. new. Well, I feel the same way. I just bought a, just bought a brand spanking new MacBook Pro and then they bring out, run out the, or the M1s, right? So, yeah. like I'm looking at, like I'm buying a computer for three years. I'm not buying it for like, you know, six months, right? Right. Right. So, oh, you know, here's another question I was thinking, too. I was talking to Carol about this the other day. Do you think that Apple's going to come out with a new M1 or M chip every year, like they do with the iPads and Apple and iPhones? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes and no. Uh, will it be every single year? Maybe not. But they will consistently be coming out with new ones, just like Intel does. You know, they're always yeah. bringing out new ones. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to, right? They have to keep up with the times. Will it be every year? It's hard to say. I, I don't know. What I mean, every year we've gotten a new A chip from 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 yeah. for, for iOS, right? Yep, yep, yep. And the iPads have always been like a an oomph better than yep. the phones, right? Yep, yep. We have, have to wait and see. So we might we might we might be all having the uh, oh, programming languages. I see what you're saying, Jaime. I didn't see this one on the end. <laughs> yeah, it, it really depends. I guess depending how big your your window was, I didn't check to see if it was like a responsive yeah. design. But um, yeah, it, it again, it, it's going to vary. It's not going to be painless. It, it might well be painless. I mean, go take a look at this and, and see if your yeah. use case fits. If you're listening to this look podcast. At, look at five. If finance. If all you do is finance on your on your Mac, then you're you're in great shape. Yeah, but but the, but the reality is the reality is though. Look at the apps. So none of my accounts use these apps. Is that right? because my, your accounts don't use apps and they use web applications? Have you heard of Simply Accounting? It's like one of the biggest apps on the planet, as far as I know, that, that a lot of them use, right? And it's um, it's, it's a native app then, and not not a, a web. Yeah, it's web Windows. It's pretty much it's pretty much Windows. I don't think it's ever had a Mac version, to be honest with you. Right. So I don't think I don't know many accounts that work on Macs, though, unfortunately. I see. Yeah, so, so that's one of the other things that, that was mentioned, too, is like there currently isn't a path forward at the moment for running Windows on your, your Mac machine. Yeah. Uh, Windows does run on ARM. That doesn't necessarily mean it runs on Apple Silicon. I right. highly suspect it is not a super major priority for Apple, yeah. given that it's it's not the, uh, you know, the underdog the anymore. Butter, yeah, yeah. They're not clamoring yeah. to get you to, to buy and try a Mac. And it may or may not be the most, you know, high, you know, high urgency or importance sort of thing for Microsoft either, given that, I mean, sure, they would benefit, but like, oh, well, we'll just gladly sell you Office 365 on your Mac and not worry yeah. about you actually running Windows, right? Yeah. Well, do the Office products work on here? I didn't see where Windows or, I mean, not a 
Teams, oh, Teams, no. Office teams is not Rosetta. listed here, interestingly Teams enough. is Rosetta. Let's see. There is a request uh, an app button down at the bottom. So hmm. maybe if you click on the oh, application. I take that back. Office 2019 is. It's under the productivity tab. Uh, all right. the way down at the bottom of the fir- well, first page. Uh, Office yeah, 2019 Microsoft. Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Oh, Office 365 is, yeah, it's like Silicon and um, Office 365 says Silicon and uh, Rosetta. So yeah. we're good there. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, oh, I guess 365 would incorporate incorporate uh, Word and Excel and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Parallels. Look at Parallels. Completely no. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, <laughs> the things that try to pretend to be other things like Parallels and probably yeah. VMware's Fusion. Yep, VMware Fusion and Docker. Oh, those yeah. are all going to have the hardest transition. I did I did read something, like I said the other day, VMware is coming out with something for for, um, in, for sorry, Silicon. I did read something the other day saying they were. Oh. Virtual Box, yeah, that's another one as well. Interesting. All the panic stuff's caught up to date. There's a good, interesting stuff. Yeah, and you can buy there's a, the button here. You can buy the guy coffee for publishing this this information too. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Cool. Maybe a nice segue, given that this was actually one of the items within the list for Mark's pick. Uh, granted, in beta version as we record this, so I assume uh, it will come soon with like a real Z support. And that is one password, which uh, I do have the new version, seven point seven. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> before this recording, I have not tried the unlock with Apple Watch, which is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty nifty. I, I do use that's new in uh, in one password support. Yeah, so you could unlock, you know, macOS with the with right, the right yeah. you know, right version of the watch, right version of of macOS, and and supported hardware devices on uh, like MacBook Pros. I've used that all the time, but I didn't actually go through and set up the unlock with Apple Watch for one password itself. Instead of you know using my finger like an animal and having to put it on the Touch ID sensor. I, I oh, wow, always okay, wearing my cool. watch, so that, that's. A pretty nice one that uh, but do you have to indicate on the on the watch that you want it to open like you have to tap it or double tap the home button or something or yeah it'll it just open you'll, you'll get a notification on your apple watch anytime you open one password um double click to unlock and you're in oh, okay cool so i haven't well, tried this myself I, to see what that's like but i did notice the the new visual design that seems uh, actually pretty nice and I, I i think it will fit into the big sur style design as i mentioned i haven't been running big sur so i can't you know oh i gotta tell sure. you i love this version of one password on Big Sur. Yeah, it, it looks pretty good on on Catalina. Like, there's some things related to the um, the showing your or revealing your password because sometimes you, you want to take a look at the actual password, right? Like, I always thought that was a little twitchy and fiddly in the previous version, and now they made the them two big rows for your password and your username, right. so it's a lot easier to deal with. So now, what happens if you if you go into like a website or whatever that has a login, right? The one password um, button appears like right there underneath that that uh, text field right and you click on it and it'll show you depending on how you have it have your one password set up if you have, if you have the URL stored in the record it'll it'll pick the appropriate passwords but but it's like it's like right there instant access to the password which is something that's been a little dodgy for the last little while with with one password I find sometimes if I want to use the you know the web browser version versus the actual application you know uh, but this new implementation it's it's more seamless it's more more integrated like you if you're logged into one password and you go to a website that requires the password it it, it just pops right open and says here's the four passwords you've used on this site before right pick one right sort of thing or not the, it doesn't show you the password but it shows you the account right mm-hmm. like i might have multiple wordpress logins or like f- uh, a couple of you know 
FreshBook accounts or whatever, right? Or my Apple ID. Like, yeah, I logged into the developer site yesterday and I was already logged into one password and it immediately popped up the appropriate Apple ID that I would normally use and just one click and I was in. As opposed to what's been my experience recently is a couple of clicks to get at the, the appropriate password, right? That's, it's, it's really nice and slick in, 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 uh, Big Sur. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a nice update and, um, I've, I've always pushed for folks. You should have a password manager. It doesn't have to be one password. I happen to like it myself. So I mentioned it there for folks. And apparently beta builds have support for Apple M1. So that was holding you back. Seems like they'll have that squared away post haste. Cool. Yeah. I'm loving this pick. The uh, the next one I've got here is a very simple and straightforward website, which explains almost nothing. Uh, I will give the context. It is called <laughs> even the about doesn't give you the information you might normally expect. Um, it is called is it readonlyfriday.com. Right. And, and the reason behind its even existence is is partially told by the domain address, which is the concept of if you're going into Friday, should you be deploying new changes to your apps, to your servers, oh. whatever? <laughs> and the real thing is, no, you really shouldn't. That's a bad idea because it's when you have the least amount of coverage because people might be on vacation already. Uh, they might right. be just about to head into the weekend and, and be away from being able to help. So there's this concept of read only Friday, which means don't write changes to to the system on Friday. And this very straightforward site, which granted we record on a Wednesday. So when you go there, it says, nope, it's not read only Friday. So go ahead and change away. <laughs> and you can even see this yeah. in 3D for reasons that escape me. But yes, you can zoom in. Well, have you tried? I'm trying to look at in 3D. I'm opening Chrome because maybe it doesn't support Safari. Oh, I, 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 I use Chrome. Chrome user, right? so that's what I. That's what I took a look. Yeah, at. yeah, um, yeah. It's it's it definitely needs Chrome. So this. So made I'm in Safari. The 3D works fine for me. Really? I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a big server thing. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. And uh, also there is an a bit of API documentation, which I thought was fascinating because mm. we were talking about this at the office of uh, people were wondering, does it really work? And I deal a lot with APIs, so my brain zeroed on in the API docs and. I'm Okay, so it will return read-only is true if it happens to be Friday in the specified time zone. So it does have time zone um, intelligence there. Uh, but for the most part, just dealing with UTC offsets. Uh, as the, the author says, he's American. He knows the American time zones. Doesn't have the slightest clue about other time zones. So if you know your offset, you can hit the API with uh, with your offset. Notably here, uh, it, it doesn't have uh, quite all of the American time zones. It doesn't have the Hawaiian elevation uh, one, and it doesn't have the Alaska time zone, whatever that was we mentioned on this podcast. And longtime fans of the show will know that Tim occasionally in, in non-pandemic eras has gone to the Atlantic time zone, which mm-hmm. apparently exists. It's not fake. It's it's it's, it's <laughs> far eastern time zone or, or maybe there's eastern. There's actually two is, is that way. There's, there's the Atlantic time zone and then there's the time zone in Newfoundland and Labrador. They're, they're like half an hour difference, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, also rounding things out, there is a link to camo network cables, yeah, which kind of I don't get because the, the cables don't appear to be camouflaged in any way. So if somebody knows the answer to <laughs> what this is, I sure would appreciate yeah. it because it's a very mysterious site. Well, the background of the, the background of the, the screen is camouflaged, right? So Yeah, and I guess the cables would be too? I, I don't know. It, it went above my head. Uh, the reason it came up is because as we record this, it is the Wednesday prior to the Thanksgiving holiday. And so we're, there was discussion about the, the, the whole the 
loophole in read only Friday and that sometimes oh, a Wednesday right. should be a read only Friday. Right. Cause this is, this is your, your day before Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. This is a, this is the American Thanksgiving day. Yeah. Well, tomorrow yeah, is, but it's the day before. Well, it's the Friday. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the, it's the day before. Yeah. yeah. It's the penultimate Thanksgiving day, right? So we've got, we've got <laughs> a four day weekend coming up for us. And there was a lot of concern about, please don't make changes to the system. Otherwise people get paid right. during the holiday. Right. 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 I do have, I do have an after show question for you now that you've raised it, but we'll talk about it in the after show. Alrighty. Or we may, may not record it as well, but, um, all right. So I guess that's it for another week. Is it safe to say now? Mm-hmm. Um, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter is at dev of the hair. All right. Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Email me at Mark R at snapsoft.com. Alrighty. Cool. Uh, well, my name is Timitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me until next time. We'll say bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the more than just code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC, and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. So you mentioned you like, uh, we might want to do a screen sharing for this one. You mentioned that you like, or you like looking at API documents. So I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Are we yeah, on the record here? We're still recording? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm not embarrassed by, I'm not totally embarrassed by my stupidity, but because um, I've been struggling with this for the last little while. Let me just find where Zoom gone. So I can share my screen with you guys. Share screen. When we start talking about, you know, the, the other the other nimcompoops, we'll uh, I'm gonna share this screen. So you can see my screen, right? Hold up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So let's take a look at Apple's documentation. Yeah, I'm just going to grab a, a documentation page from Apple. So uh, this is, yeah, so this is straightforward. Okay, okay. When I get down to this stuff, right, mm-hmm. how do I read this and how do I use it? I mean, I remember the way the documentation was written, you know, 10 years ago. I would go in here and I would click on this and it would give me an example of a code snippet, that kind of stuff. So if I'm switching between, you know, Objective-C and Swift, you know, yeah, it changes the the style, but how do how how do you read a, this kind of type of documentation? Like, what do you what do you do? How do you navigate through it? Are you trying to figure out something, right? Of course, I chose a really simple thing like table view, but mm-hmm. and, and and are you asking like like I knew what this thing is, and I'm and like what's the use? Am I digging in, or have I never seen this thing before? Yeah, you've never seen it before. You're just going in here to look at something on I don't know. Give me give me some obscure thing like what was the, the thing Mark was talking about at last year? Networking, I think the new networking stuff. Network framework. Network framework. Yeah, look at that. So I've never even looked at this, so or I may have. So you can probably get there by clicking on documentation. <laughs> 
<laughs> seriously, yeah. seriously, it's oops. oh well. Okay, yeah, I'll go. I'll go back. I'll go back. You, you direct me. So in the in the uh, breadcrumbs, oh. yeah, yep. documentation, yeah, and then just find oh, okay. network. Oh, this, oh this... not networking. That's interesting. So network framework is something different that isn't in the list. That's interesting. Well, that's another. It, we, we it, saw it might it. be we... under. Oh, there it is. There it is. It's yeah, under. Okay. Yeah, I, I just can't yeah. type. Yeah. So if I'm on this page, I've never been here before. How do I read this? So, what do I do, or, or what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. What do you? How do you do when you want to muddle through how to use this? Yeah. So I usually kind of first thing I do is scroll down to the bottom, yeah. and see if there's a document associated with it, like like uh, references. Well, not references, mm-hmm. like a guide, scroll perhaps, up a little bit, like a, like a guide. guide. Yeah. Or or these these type of things that you're looking at right now. Is there a useful one here? Uh, there isn't in this case. Um, this is kind of an unfortunate one because it's it's pretty hard to uh, learn network from the documentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be honest, I used to come here first. I don't do that anymore. The first right. place, if you're learning a new thing, you got to go to the WWDC doc, uh, videos first. Yeah, that's kind of what, where I, when I get, when yeah. I get like something like this and I want to know about it, I will go find a video or something that talks about it. Like, yeah. So what I use is. this screen for is to get a, a list of, it's basically like a header file mm-hmm. without having to go to the actual code. Right. So, so this you can also do that too because there's a lot of commenting in the header files. Yeah, too, right? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of times there's more useful information there than here. Um, Sometimes there's useful information here too, though. So you kind of got to do both, right? Uh, But I like to go to here to get a nice reference of what are all the methods, what are all the the properties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, This kind of stuff is nice if if it's a if it is like a framework like this to have a list of all the classes right there. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of a nice thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this documentation is not as good as it used to be i gotta overall in general it used to be really nice um but there's so many things like uh, okay pick one at random and click on it this is really helpful perfect yeah <laughs> perfect this is exactly what i wanted right yeah so yeah, the empty you know, stuff is not good oh a customizable framework a customizable network protocol for defining application okay sure but you know well this one actually has more than others do yeah yeah i've seen, I've seen a lot of people complain about yeah. like you know they get into something and it's you know yep it's blank this one it doesn't actually, tell me why Why would yeah. I ever want to do this? Under which situations right. would it be effective for me to define my own message something protocols, right? <laughs> like- Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, and and you you picked uh, one that was really good early on, and that's one of the oldest ones for UI table uh, view. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, they had an overview of like this is what the thing is. They even had an, a picture of what it is, which sometimes the picture yeah. helps. Yeah. Like, yeah. What is this? Okay, cool. You got this idea. Great. If you're like Mark, you're, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. I want to see if there are guides, and there's going to be guides way down at the bottom for, for this old of a thing, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and but see what I what I remember about this is is when I would read this documentation back in the day well it's almost like this is like right here is the, is the, the call right if i want to use a reusable, reusable cell cell with identifier right i would grab this and just chuck it like if you start typing you know the code completion will start to fill this out right um but back in the day you know in objective c times you would grab the method and it would have yep. the same sort of thing you could just take it paste it in put a couple of curly braces in and you're off to the races right yep. Yep. Um, but that doesn't seem to be like and th- but that would be in the paragraph it would say like you grab like this chunk of it and that would be the call right 
Yeah, this is a documentation I think would be quite full. Because a lot of times what I do is if I'm in Xcode, I'll click on the sidebar, you know, the little question mark thing. Yeah. And then I'll I'll read the documentation snippet that's there, or I'll or I'll switch over to the document view or in inside of Xcode and, and read through it, right? And if I'm really stuck, I'll just go into the header of the of whatever it is I'm looking at and read through. Because sometimes they leave especially when things are deprecated, right? They'll they'll have the call there, but they'll show the other thing that, that's replacing it kind of thing, right? Yeah. Now, in this case, it probably isn't one that's relevant, but but if you scroll down to down to, way down at the bottom, where there's always a list of all the constants, yeah, um, yeah. In this case, there really isn't one relevant, but like, there's also the sidebar here. You can click on this like a little thingy here. Yeah, yeah. But but so what I'm looking for is is something that has like a, a large number of enumerated constants, like ns ns URL error. Try see if you can find that one. Or I guess in Swift, it's just URL error. So well, the issue I have is if there's something where there's a lot of constants it will this document will very often show the list of all the enumerations so that the the, the variables mm-hmm. but without the values and in real life you know very often especially with url session you'll get the no, a number back <laughs> so just having a, a real uh, convenient cross-reference of what the number which which one corresponds to what value the information is out there you can find it right but it's just not like easy it's not like easy to find like I shouldn't have to go. I shouldn't have to do what I just did to get here. <laughs> exactly. And even if you, you scroll down now, let's. I mean, let's go through this rat down this rabbit hole all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Let's go all the way down. Uh, not quite so far down. A little bit further up. Uh, Here's your errors. Yeah. Go to URL session error dictionary keys. Go to that one. Oh well, that wasn't what I expected to see at all. But okay. Uh, but that's part of the problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Well, that's why I kind of like. I kind of I, I look at the stuff sometimes. Like I get in here and I'm like, okay, I poke around and I end up in these circular loops because like I'll click on this and it'll take me to something else and eventually bring it back to this page. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Remember yeah. when we were looking at Swift UI's um, masking behavior, I want to say it was, or placeholder behavior, mm-hmm. I forget what it was called. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, could, there, there's an, an enum that lets you define what is the kind of masking or, or placeholder magic that it does. Right. Like, oh, does that mean yeah. we can define our own? Can we do? And we just went in this circle of like, there's your uh, not clear if we can figure it out or not. Okay, go to yeah, like right. All these codes. What are the actual numbers associated with these codes? Oh, you mean because yeah, it's it's inside a and these yeah these exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. I I get a number back right for most of these things right. And what does that mean? What yeah. does that number correspond to? Yeah, yep. So the number is like a case in an enum, you mean, or like or is that what you're? That's the number you're getting back. Like it's a well, also, often you'll get one of these like negative. One two seven four oh, three errors, right? right? Yeah, which corresponds yeah. to something in this list, not necessarily this list, but some some something in a list like this. Maybe URL error dot code. What what happens if you click on that? Yeah, these all have value, right? Click on time. Click on timed out, right? When it times out, you don't get something that nice. Sometimes you nice get a nice oh a timed out error, but more often yeah. than not than not you get a negative forty seven twenty thirty eight six. Yeah, 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 whatever you get the, it is, the raw right? backing integer right. or whatever it is and right. not, you know timed out uh, right. error dot code and so you're like uh, yeah. so I just, guess I gotta go look it up to see which one it is yeah and just give me a nice table that I can find with one click oh I that see just right tells me what all those numbers are instead of having to go through this whole loop 
I got so good at just recognizing that some some error code I was seeing was like, oh, that number, that means it couldn't turn the response into JSON. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I had looked it up enough that I just remembered, oh yeah, good old, I don't know, 1308 or whatever it is. But do you remember it now? <laughs> no, I don't remember it <laughs> exactly, now. Exactly, yeah. So I'd have to go through the pain of, of re-remembering right, right, it again. Right, right. I was doing something the other day where I was getting uh, same sort of deal. Um, what was I doing? The certificate was not valid or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, debugging a, a, a certificate a, a push notification certificate had, f- had expired right and i was trying to work through the app to sort of find where you know where the error what, what the problem was because you know or couldn't log into the app right and it turned out that the the server certificate had expired that's what it was and um and it had expired like the same day <laughs> you know so it wasn't wasn't like i was expecting it yeah and uh when i went in there i got this weird you know like you said minus 2746 error right and you know you google that nothing comes back and uh, that wasn't until I actually went over and, and you know checked the certificate and looked at the date of it because I keep a copy of it here on my local machine and and you know use quick quick view to look at it and see see that it expired like 7 a.m that morning right but yeah I, I know what you mean like it would be nice if you could just sort of they used to be back in the early days of Mac you've got an error code you could look it up right like minus 39 if you remember, if you remember minus 39 yeah. that was well was like file not found or something there right? is somewhere in the header files there is a nice table but yeah but it takes you 20 minutes minutes to find that table every time yeah yeah hmm. and it's not in the online docs which would be yeah. really it's funny when you do peer reviews and, and you you go to look at a review and somebody says oh it's a real quick pr and you go and there's like two lines changed but they worked on it for four hours mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well you gotta figure out you know they're like banging their head against so many different yeah. walls right it takes you four to hours to figure out which two lines to change and what to change <laughs> them to mm-hmm. yeah. by the way tim i really like your uh, filing system on your desktop there it's very very organized <laughs> you like that <laughs> it's making me twitch I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, so so let me introduce you to Hazel. This is Hazel, right? And what Hazel does for me is, when she's running, is I have a rule for desktop, right? And so it's supposed to pick up things and put them away, which apparently it's not, these things are not enabled. So all my PDFs are supposed to go into PDF thing, and zips are supposed to go into zip things. And so each one of these has a rule. And so, yeah, it'll move it into this folder called zips and whatever, right? So, yeah, so it, it, I do actually have this, this lady that cleans up after me and puts things things away from me but apparently i gotta gotta go back and re-enable all these things right so like the pictures thing should take random jpegs and stuff like that and it, it, like it waits until the end of the month and then puts them in the pictures folder for me mm-hmm. that should be turned on that should be turned on yeah so oh look see she's look she's doing stuff over here for me i can see can you see this over here yeah sounds like that would have been she's, good pick of the week content yeah hazel yeah yeah well mark maybe. did you know I about just, this i didn't know about i've it. never heard of this but it could be never heard useful. of hazel no oh no. she's great yeah because like I save stuff to the desktop or down. Like I like to clean. I like to keep my downloads folder organized. Like because I hate this. I hate when you do this and you get this nonsense and you click on this to see even more stuff. So yeah. So you see, I've just basically had her take PDFs and shove them into this PDF folder, right? So if I want to find things, you know, I can find them. And like the the and, and so like things like DMGs and whatever. That's probably why. It's probably because I just updated and it's asking for permission. So yeah. So DMGs and I can go through these and decide whether I you know need to keep this install Mac OS X DMG. I don't think I need that. But yeah, and then I can just, you know, trash stuff as I need, right? And then I also have this guy here, which is part of Clean My Mac, which as soon as my um, trash folder gets bigger than two two, two gigabytes, it, it prompts me to empty the trash. So yeah, so I have, a, I have a lady that comes by and cleans up my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> 
keeps you guys from twitching. But that said, I'm I'm looking over on my other my other monitor, and there's like stuff sitting there from like four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to have all these different rules for all this stuff, right? Like yeah. I do have one that current, picks up all the XIPs. current web backup. You know, that's that's going to be yeah. useful in six months. Remembering what was yeah. current. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I used to have well, I used to have a folder called Litter, and right? before I had before I had Azel, yeah. I used to just like make a folder, put the date on it, shove everything into it, and throw it in the Litter folder. In fact, there probably is a Litter folder on my desktop. Let's score this desktop here. Seventy-six die trying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's a litter here. But yeah, it's just you know I just have this this thing that automatically goes through and cleans stuff up for me. Yeah, Hazel. And I've you know I've got like I bought a five five Mac license because I I'm like this on all my Macs, right? Oh, but yeah, I got to go through all these rules and make sure that they're turned on. Like this one here is that's the Strombo show, right? So as soon as, as soon as I download a thing, it puts it away for me. Where's movies going to go into the movie folder? That's handy. Let's do that one. I see a movie sitting on the desktop right now. That's not litter. What's the litter rule? Whoa, <laughs> that's that's the litter one. Yeah, so I've been using that's this an for old years. one. AJTM podcast. Yeah, well, that's you know that is still the name of the pro- podcast, like officially. That's the actual name of the RSS feed. I never, I never figured out how to change it. And Wait, yeah, AJTM? see, look at this one. This what is AJTM? Huh? That was uh, when we were like, what are we going to name Aaron, this podcast? Like, well, J- let's just Jaime, go with like, Tim Mark. Let's just yeah, let's go oh. with, with the huh. with a, an acronym based on yeah. names, yeah. and it didn't work out quite as well as it does for others. Yeah, so I still see. Think we need to find someone who start whose name starts with a C, like a Charlie or something. Yeah. <laughs> so guess, uh, guess how old this this particular script is? Oh, Objective C. Yeah. Good old, good old. <laughs> Objective C. Yeah. I should. I should. Add, could I? I could add Swish to that as well, right? So that would pick up any Objective C I left on my desktop and move it. Like PHP should go there, right? Like this guy here should go into code. You know. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if I just want to add it. Just go in here and add a rule. Add a rule. Extension is PHP, and it'll pick that guy up and put it away. I don't know what it'll do if it's the same name though. Hmm. Interesting. Text files. Wow. It's an old one too. Yeah. yeah. Already my desktop is, is is cleaner. What would you do without us? I don't know. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I would, I would have gone like six months from now. I would have gone. What's all these things sitting here doing? Right. Like why? Why isn't this being put away? And I don't even know what that is. Um. Well, here's my stash folder. This is back in the before I learned how to use stash. I used stash. You have a physical stash folder, <laughs> which I guess is the same concept, right? Like git stash. Yeah. Well, that was the whole idea. I didn't know how to use git stash. So yeah. How would you? What would you do? You'd just make a. Copy. I'd copy the file over and just take oh it over my there. god! Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like an animal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That could still be useful. You get yourself into get hurt enough that even if you follow all of these guides that we've talked about on this show of like how to undo that, at some point it's like you yeah. know what? Let me just take my changes, copy them elsewhere <laughs> delete the repository yeah. and come back with a, a fresh copy from the the server and uh, and yeah well there was a time when xcode and git didn't play too well together and, and yeah even if you undid your git change xcode would just still die actually right. maybe that wasn't git maybe that was subversion mm. The uh, virus is pretty bad around here. Is it? Yep. We spiked up to, California spiked up to 17,000 cases today or yesterday. 17,000 in a day, like new ones in a day, like the day? Yep. California. Yep. Wow. Yep. 17,000. Yep. Yeah, we spiked to fifteen hundred in yeah. all of Canada. Probably that's not no, just Toronto. Most, uh, no, Ontario, 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 and, and Quebec are the worst. The rest are okay. And um, so they had this thing called the Atlantic Bubble, where four provinces: no, uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and uh, PEI. They had so, such low cases that they they created a bubble. You could travel anywhere you wanted within those four provinces. And uh, a couple of days ago, PEI and Newfoundland said, "Nope, we're sh- we're closing our borders." So just the only borders. 
in the bubble now or in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. And that's, you know, it's crazy. We also, I don't know if you heard too, but we had this guy, um, we like as of the Sunday night at midnight, there's no more indoor dining, right? And a whole bunch of businesses are shut down. I went and got my hair cut on Saturday because it's like the, you can't get your hair cut anymore. And um, the, there's a barbecue place in, in Etobicoke, which is part of Toronto, that, that opened up yesterday. And then, you know, they had like a, with people coming in and sitting down and dining, right? No masks, whatever. And uh, the the health officer, like the cops came and said, we can't go in. It's unsafe for us to go in there, <laughs> believe it or not, right? And so the, the health department came and shut them down. And then, um, the, so he got a whole bunch of fines or whatever. And then he opens up again today, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. You must have Yahoo's like that in the States too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Sure do. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the barbecue sauce. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> and then it turns out the guy doesn't even have a business license, right? He's just opened up, the, he just found a place, opened up a restaurant and he's killing people left, right, and center for fun, I guess, right? By the way, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, Jaime, but um, if I'm recording and I have the simulator open, or if I'm doing anything with audio and I have the simulator open, my audio gets all choppy on my Mac. Oh, really? I'm not, on, I'm not on Big Sur, so I... I no, no, this is, this is before Big Sur. This is, I, I noticed this on Catalina and, and whatever, right? If, I, if, if I'm ever, like, you know, the alert noises that go bing and boing and whatever when you hit the wrong key on a keyboard or whatever, um, even those will go, like, choppy, right? And I don't know, I just, maybe, maybe the... the this is a defective soundboard or something, but yeah, I'm going to have to send it in. At oh, some point. I have gotten that occasionally on my work machine. But I notice if I quit the simulator, right? It goes fine. Interesting. I never correlated it to the simulator, but I always had to restart, mm-hmm. which of course is yeah. the simulator. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Interesting. Well, I, yeah. yeah, it's just I, I happen to notice because I, I do work on a few. Um, I work on a few uh, audio apps, right? So, yeah. mm. so like you know, so I'm I'm playing audio through them, and I'm you know, so it's not like and and yeah, sometimes like if the, the the processor gets really really hung up sometimes, especially on the iPad Pro simulator. I was updating one of my apps the other day, and and uh, it has an audio music track that runs underneath. Mind you, it's a really old uh, implementation of sound, right? So mm-hmm. that could be part of the problem. Mm. It's a Coco's 2D app, actually. Get the phone, will you? I was going to say, somebody have an old school phone going on in the background? That's, <laughs> that's, Mark's, oh, that's right? my phone, yeah. I never answer Mark. that. That's... you have a landline? you have a landline still? I do have a landline, yeah. And I, ne- I mean, I never use it. It just, every once in a while, a telemarketer will call. And so yeah. that's that's what that is. So I don't answer it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, yeah I got rid of my landline a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I have it is because it's bundled in with my internet and cables. But is it is it like a voice over IP landline kind of thing? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, I meant a physical hardwire landline. I don't oh, think anybody well, has those. No, I mean, it's, no, it goes, yeah, it goes through my cable modem, cable modem. It's VoIP, but it's a real physical phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on DSL, right? So so I needed to have a landline, I needed to have a, like a dry loop here at yeah, the minimum, yeah. right? So yep. um, now I'm on fiber, so I don't, I just got rid of the phone and, and our alarms, the only reason I had it was for the alarm system, but now I have a cellular panel It you know, I guess cellular service has gotten so cheap they can just have like a little sim of their own sitting in there and i pay for the monthly hosting or whatever i actually i wonder i gotta check my alarm bill it's got it's gotten over it's gone up in price from what it used to be but anyway then maybe it's because i'm paying for the cell service right <laughs> they get you they get you in the That's end they get you to drive through they get yep. you to drive through yep. <laughs> i gotta say one thing i don't like about about big sur you know that sort of a uh, blue default color that we have when you're you know when you're setting up a um 
a tab bar or or in iOS there's like this blue color that is the default highlight. Mm-hmm. All of the icons in in Big Sur, like if I open my Finder, and maybe listeners at home can tell me how to change this, but you know I have you have the sidebar in a Finder window and you have all the little icons and it says like desktop and applications and so on and so forth. The icons are in that ugly blue color, right? And I don't know, I wish I could figure out how to change it. You know, but it just it, it just to me it feels like to as a developer it makes me feel like this is an unfinished uh, OS, right? Because yeah, they couldn't even bother putting the colors in properly, right? So is that not controlled by the accent color? I'm, I'm not on Big Sur. I, it might be. It might be. But I remember see, changing just... my accent color. I'm like, oh, let me see if I'd like green or some yeah. other color. And I said, no, I don't like that in, in dark I did mode. look that up yesterday because I think it's under general. Yeah, it's it, accent color. Okay, let's see. Let's change this. I don't know if that's going to affect the thing you want it to affect, but, and I'm not running Big Sur. But yeah, I sort of have it. Well, the default one is this sort of, mul- like the, it looks like a little color picker, right? And it's got this, you know, just sort of gradient. I choose gray. Oh, yeah, that does change that. Took a minute. Oh, so if I make it purple. Okay, yeah, they all go purple. Weird. But if I leave it on the default one, they go blue. Like, if I don't choose an accent color, they go that sort of ugly, unfinished blue. Oh, but you can choose the unfinished blue, ugly color, too. Even better. <laughs> I don't know. I missed my little color icons, man. Yeah, I think I'll probably be in for the same shock when I go to Big Sur. I, I did not run any of the betas and uh, haven't yeah. looked at it close enough to, to really help you as much as I had hoped. But um... yeah, Well, I've been running the beta for a couple of months now. And then obviously, right, since June, I guess. And because I got the, the DTK here, but I've also got, I also have a work machine that's on been on Big Sur for months, right? So, so I figured, ah, what the hell, I'm off this week. I've got some time. If, you know, something goes terribly, terribly wrong, I'm not going to be screaming at the walls. So I upgraded on the weekend. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.